The conversation today has stemmed a lot around Ja, yes, but it has also stemmed quite a bit around the MVP award that is headed to Nikola Jokic for the second consecutive year, and it's tough to take. It is... (laughs) It, look at this. I just say that, and you are you are shaking your head and annoyed. Because it's ridiculous, man. And everybody wants to say, well, look at the numbers. Look what Jokic did with points, rebounds, and assists. And all of that stuff is care. well and good. It doesn't matter to me. I, I watch the games. I, I can I can see the eye, the, the eye test. They, yeah. they have the term, the eye test. I can see with my own eyes the difference that Embiid makes when he's on the court versus when he's off the court. And you made the best point that I heard in the show. Look at this series with the Miami Heat. Now, I get it. MVP is a regular season award. But look at the difference that Embiid has made in the series against the Heat. Sixers were drawn dead in the first two games down in Miami. Embiid comes back in game three, and all of a sudden, what do you know? The Sixers are are clicking on all cylinders. Joel Embiid has been doing that the entire year. Mm -hmm. Even before James Harden got there, Embiid has been doing that. In the, in the midst of the drama that was going on with Ben Simmons and the other cornerstone of the process, not even being a net zero, he was a net negative because of the distraction that he created. Knowing that this team didn't have a ton of depth, Joel still anchored them and still had them in striking distance to have the best record in the conference. This was up until the last three weeks of the season. They were still in striking distance to have the best record in the conference. That's how good Philadelphia has been all year long. And that's because of Embiid. It's not because of anybody else. It ain't because of Doc Rivers, I can promise you that. So when we start having the conversation about the most valuable player, Carlin, to me, the qualifiers have to be you're the best player on a team that can contend for a championship. Well, this is my issue. It's always been my issue with MVP. I believe in the strictest definition of voting for that. Most valuable player. Most valuable player to your team's success. Yes. Where would your team be without you? We literally just saw it in this series with Joel Embiid, and it makes all the difference in the world. If you don't believe us, listen to Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, who is on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning. I always looked at it like this. If a guy surges to the lead of the award, unless he, one, gets hurt, two, has his production drop off precipitously, or they start losing games. I don't know how you lose it. Like, he got run down in the home stretch by Nikola Jokic. And I also thought the part of it should have been the weight of leadership and what he did this year with that distraction and that disastrous train wreck that the Ben Simmons situation created for that franchise. And Joel Embiid showed maturity, leadership, toughness. He put that team on his back. And for me, it was Embiid. And, and you know, and you know what, Carlin? You can't find somebody that voted on the MVP to come out and say that, yeah, I voted for Jokic. No, not you right now. You can't find it. But everybody that's talking right now saying, I voted for Embiid. I don't know what the other voters did. I voted. For, you cannot find somebody that will say and stand up for them voting for Nikola Jokic. Well, here's where it is for me. Chris. You can't find them. What bothers me the most about it is that we sit here and we make this a regular season award, and it shouldn't be. This should be a complete season award. This, to me, is the best way to go about it. Have the vote for the MVP at the end of the postseason. Let everybody vote then. I don't want the postseason to get weighted so much more heavily, but I want it to be part of the discussion because it does tell you a lot 
about which player meant the most to his team's success. It does give you a much more full picture. That's what I want when I'm a voter. I don't want to end up having to find myself in a situation where I'm looking at numbers and I'm looking, all right, I got to go vote for Jokic, Jokic here. What did he have? 27, 14, six assists, eight assists, whatever it was a game. Oh. How do I not vote for that guy? That drives me absolutely insane. Yeah, I hate it, man. People want to point to the PE num- PER numbers. Player efficiency rating is what it means. And then the the win share numbers. Everybody wants to point to those things. And, and Carlin, we, we we talked about it earlier. It, it's 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 like you know using using a comparative a comparison to the NFL. It's like quarterbacks with QBR. It, it, it's such a uh, it's supposed to be this all encompassing metric to basically tell you a guy's impact on their team winning. But we both know that QBR doesn't tell the full story on how good a quarterback is. Just like PER ratings and win share doesn't tell the full story on how impactful an NBA player is. I mean, Carlin, you brought up the point. Carson Wentz, he had a top 10 QBR last season in the NFL. Is Carson Wentz a top 10 quarterback? I would take out a restraining order preventing Carson Wentz from going anywhere near my team. That's my point. So, I mean, we can't sit here and just point to analytics and say, well, because he was at the top in PER, because he was at the top of win share, that means he's the MVP of the league. No, it doesn't. No. That means he had a very fine season. He had an outstanding season. It might be even an outlier season from an historical perspective. But that doesn't mean that he deserved the MVP award. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union, proud to serve members of the armed forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. So this is the question. Did Joel Embiid get hosed out of the MVP award? We heard from Woj this morning that Nikola Jokic is about to win his back-to-back MVPs, and I think the results of people since the the results have led people since to have almost a visceral reaction to this i was thoroughly annoyed when i heard it and we could talk about Jokic all you want but i mean just look at how they were in the playoffs like there was no part of that that made me feel like well Jokic is going to be able to carry that team to really get somewhere in the postseason and i i i absolutely believe this that if you took Jokic off the team, but you actually had a healthy Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, it's still a playoff team. It's still a playoff team. It's still a team that's capable of getting to the sixth seed in the West. Carlin, I, I just, I, I Think don't. Think about sixth seed in the West, but, Chris. But, the but, West is but, not but, nearly but, as Car- good. But, Carlin, here's the thing, man, and we're having this conversation. I can point to another guy in the West that don't have no help, and yet he was able to draw his team up from being down 0-2 when he came back, he brought his team to a situation now where the series is even. I'm talking about Luka Doncic with yep. the Dallas Mavs. You mean to tell me that Luka has that much more help than Nikola Jokic? I, I don't see it. No. I don't see that. And so my whole thing is this. Everybody His other wants, guys disappeared first two every, games. Everybody wants to talk about the supporting cast and all of these different things. Well, great players, especially a guy that wins back-to-back MVPs, should find a way to be more competitive, especially in the first round of the playoffs. And we did not see that with the Denver Nuggets. And beyond that, Nikola Jokic was a liability on the defensive end. <laughs> Liability. That, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole took turns putting them in pick-and-roll action, and they had that guy in a blender. 
He didn't know whether he was coming or going. I've never seen Joel Embiid lost at sea like I saw Nikola Jokic lost in the first round was defensively. It last, was it last series where he's out of the game late? Was that last series? Yeah. Jokic, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they had to pull it they had to pull him out. It, it was almost like what a de- MVP It was almost like a defensive replacement in baseball. Yeah. That what, that's what it was like. What MVP gets pulled from a game late because he's a massive defensive liability? I don't know. It never happens with Embiid. You know why? He's a great defensive player. Great, great he puts up the player. numbers, and he is a fantastic, fantastic defensive player. It is an utter, ironically, joke that Jokic won this award again. A joke. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Are we dead wrong? Are we 100% right? We know the answer, but what's your take? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, up next. Oh, Baker. Baker Watch, day 138. Dear God. (laughs) Somebody make it end. Somebody make it end. How do the... This has become the Cleveland Browns Vietnam. They have no idea how they got in it, and they have no idea how to get out of it. So how do they proceed with Baker? That's a great question. I'd like to say we'll tell you, but we'll discuss next. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. There are some people annoyed with us. Good. Bring it. Canty and Carlin. <laughs> ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, always catch us on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio Network. Let's hit Ed in Pennsylvania. Up next on Jokic, Embiid, and the MVP. Ed, what's up? You're on ESPN Radio, bro. Yes, hey, thank you. Hey, uh, not that I'm disagreeing, just have a question for you and seeing if you're, that thought process would also equate to the NFL, uh, in which case you think that Cooper Cup should have been the MVP of the NFL. I, I don't think necessarily Cooper Cup should have been the MVP of the NFL. I know what you're trying to get at there, but for me, it has a lot more to do with a few other factors. Now, there was a point in the season where I thought Matthew Stafford might have been the MVP of the league, but that kind of faded away as his season went along. Cooper Cup was 
phenomenal this year. I would not have made him the MVP he's just more, because he's they won more, the championship. Yeah, he's not more valuable than Aaron Rodgers. No. Let's stop it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the single most valuable player in the National Football League, according to Vegas. Yeah. No, no player accounts for more points against the spread than Aaron Rodgers does. Mm-hmm. He counts like six points against the spread. Now, what The next closest is like two. What he's trying to get at is about winning a championship. No, 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 no. It's about having a larger picture of the entire thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be somebody who wins a championship. I went back and looked today, and our friends from um, uh, Stats and Info at ESPN came up with the number that over the last 20 years, you have had just four, four team or four players who have won a championship and won the MVP mm-hmm. in that year. Only four. And two of them are the same person. So and, and that's LeBron. So I I'm not getting too worked up when I say that I want to know how much of an effect they're having on their success. But I hate giving away the MVP to a player whose team was gone in round one or round two, and they weren't able to carry him much further. And there were just as many, if not more, players that were gone in the first couple of rounds who won MVP. So let me ask you this question. Does this now up the degree of scrutiny on Jokic going into next season? Because remember, remember, we had this same conversation about Giannis, back-to-back MVPs but early exits in the playoffs. We wanted to see could he elevate his play and get his team to the championship rounds and win a Larry O trophy. And he actually did it. He Mm -hmm. took care of that last year. So we don't have that same conversation about whether or not he's good enough to get it done. The only combo we have now is, is Giannis going to be the new LeBron in terms of the gatekeeper to the NBA Finals out of the Eastern Conference? That is the new conversation. Can Jokic ascend to those heights next year? That's what we want to see because that would validate the voters going with him for back-to-back MVPs. That's the only thing in my mind that could make them seem right in this situation that feels also wrong. Does the three-person core of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. make you believe they can win a championship? No. Me neither. No. But but again, a lot of that is shaped on how I view Jokic. I mean, Carlin, he's got back-to-back MVPs. I can make an argument if I'm drafting five players today – he's not going to be in that top five. Oh, absolutely. I can make that same argument. I'm with he's you. He's not going to be in that top five. So, But I, I, if, you want, if you want me to believe in him, let's see what he can do in the larger sense. I'm with you on that one. Let's see what Mark in Cincinnati has to say. Mark, you're on Candy and Carlin. What up? Hey, I've spent about uh, two and a half hours, three hours in the car, and I want to go off on Bart Hahn on that earlier. But he was so sold on Embiid. The thing about him getting on jokes about his defensive efforts, the reason why Shaq won the MVP back in the day, because he was a half a rebound away from leading the league in rebounds. Look at Jokic's rebounding, 14 a game. Look at his assists, eight a game. And he, he, he said it perfectly. He's a power forward. An MVP is somebody that can do multiple things. Did you think Jokic can back somebody down in the, in the, in the paint like Embiid does? Yes. You think Embiid can pull somebody out on the wing like Jokic does? No. Jokic is a, a, a multiple. He's an MVP. We all know that Giannis is the best player in the league. But there are, there are okay. more than a couple of things that Jokic – well, there are a few things that Jokic can't do that Embiid can do. It's not just all about skill set. Uh, uh, it is about skill set when you get pulled late in games because of your defense. 
That's a problem. No question about it. I mean, that's the other piece that we're talking about. And let's not make it like Jokic is that much of a, 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 a more of a prolific shooter than Embiid is. No. Embiid shot 33.8% from three-point land. Jokic shot 34.5. So you're talking about seven-tenths of a point. What, 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 I, I don't understand that. Like, I, I just, it makes no sense. Joel Embiid is a unicorn, and he impacts the game equally on offensive end and on defensive end. You can't make that claim for Jokic. You just can't. All right, I know we teased more on Baker, but you know what? Eddie in Denver's up next. I want to let him get the last word here. Eddie, what's up? You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, I'm trying to enjoy my ride home. You guys got me all fired up. Jokic is leading everything, plus minus the Raptor. He's got the uh, every 100 possessions. And, you know, the worst part is you were here talking about if uh, MPJ was healthy. If they're not healthy. This is a regular season award. Jokic had the best regular season in the history of the NBA if you're going by all these metrics and stats. Did he have the best regular season in the history of the NBA? Did he? You can, you can say the, the yeah. stats, but you're saying he had the best regular season in the history of the NBA. Hey, listen to me. I said metrics, and yes, he did. But, but it's, it's not just the metrics. See, that's the hey, part that you get hung up on, Eddie. You, you get hung up on the analytics and the metrics, and it's not just that. We can't just boil it all down to was he tops in PER, was he tops in win share. It's not that simple. You got to look at the games. You got to look at the guy's impact on his teammates and winning. Some of the plays that guys make, can't be quantified, but they're winning basketball plays. And Joel Embiid routinely does that on both ends of the court. You cannot say that about Jokic. Jokic is a fine player. Nobody is disrespecting him as a player. He is an all-NBA performer. Nobody is trying to trying to disparage Nikola Jokic. All we're simply saying is let's not make the MVP award a PER award. Because we can go ahead and say, you know what, let's come up with the PER award or a win share title, just like we have with a scoring title. We can do that. But then the MVP is separate. Because to me, if you're winning MVP, that means you're the most valuable player on a championship contender. That has not been the Denver Nuggets this past year. What's that on your mantle? Oh, it's my win share award. (laughs) Honestly, stop. Just stop. The best regular season in NBA history? Come on. The be- the best regular... <laughs> Carlin, you're going to make me blow a gasket. The best regular season in NBA history. I mean, Russ, for Pete's sake, had averaged a triple-double a few years ago. <clears throat> and you're calling it the best ever. Wow. 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 Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on ESPN Plus, we will allow Chris to cool off for a moment... We'll get the cut man in here in the corner as if it's a fight in between rounds. And we will talk some football next as one of our NFL experts joins us to answer the question, which quarterback is under the most pressure this coming season? The answer forthcoming on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. You look around, there are quarterbacks that are under some real pressure going into next season. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on ESPN Plus, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. We welcome in on the CC call-in line ESPN NFL analyst Jeff Saturday, who joins us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Saturday Jeff. Jeff, we appreciate the time. How you doing? Fantastic. How you guys doing today? We couldn't be doing better if we tried. I don't think so. If I mean, we were, we'd be just Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Apparently so. There you go. Um, Jeff, when Dan Orlovsky made the five-person list this morning of quarterbacks that are under incredible pressure this coming season, when you look at your own personal list, so to speak, of quarterbacks who could be under pressure this season, who comes to mind for you right away? Probably Jalen Hurts, and and I would say, uh, you know, when I was on the show with Dan, he was talking about Rodgers and Dak Prescott, but um, you, you know, they have pressure that's that's probably internal. I mean, they'll get criticized, but you know, both those guys got monster contracts. For Jalen Hurts, man, you're talking about a team that's, you know, the Eagles. They 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 surrounded you with talent. They added AJ Brown. They're continuing to get their offense and defensive lines have gotten better. Uh, they drafted you one, you know, a receiver last year. They have a great ground and pound run game, um, and and really you have to be the catalyst. And if you're not, they have enough firepower, you know, in next year's draft to go get a QB if that's what they want. So I would say if if it from a pressure perspective, that's who I would say probably has the most pressure, just because you know expectations. And then how quick the turnaround would have to be. And, and listen, let me just make sure I'm clear. I think Jalen Hurts did a really good job last year. I thought the maturation process is right where it needs to be. I expect big things from him. But to me, he's the only one that was in Dan's quote list that could potentially lose a, I mean, lose your job. It, the rest of the guys might get crushed in the media, you know, kind of all those things. But all those guys are either financially okay or they ain't going anywhere. Uh, Tua might be in that same boat a little bit, but again, I think I think um, I think Jalen, with the expectations of this year, probably have a little more pressure. And Jeff, I actually saw the back and forth between you and Dan about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. I actually had the Eagles winning the NFC East coming into 2022. I know you're on the Dallas Cowboys train, but. How much pressure is on Dak Prescott to actually deliver beyond just the division title and trying to win a championship? Because there are all the pieces in place for him to compete at a high level, yeah. and there's no longer the excuse of working out the contract. 
They're paying him $40 million a year. At some point, you have to be able to get some playoff wins in order to have the return on investment that Jerry and Steven are looking for down there. So, so how much pressure is on Dak to actually deliver? We know he's going to be the starter long-term, but to actually yeah. get it done. Yeah, I, th- I think that's as big as it gets from a from an internal perspective, right? Like, and I don't just mean you know from him himself, but from 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 the organization. You know, when you think about um, the expectations of what the Joneses want from him, when you think about McCarthy and kind of how they just kind of they just they just jacked it all up. I mean, towards the you know from a coaching perspective, the best thing that could have happened though, Chris, and you and I both know, is that Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn both stayed. Like, mm-hmm. like when you. That, that that at least gave them some semblance of 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 um, you know kind of a foundation they can continue to build on. And when I think about Dak, you, you know the the, the O line, uh, you know they were not physical at all. They can't they they can't seem to find a way to run the ball. They put up a ton of points. And and, and again, you said this before, like in the NFC East, I think they average like thirty plus points a game. Uh, 31 points a game in their in their division against division opponents. So somebody's going to have to score with them. The issue is, to your point, playoffs and playoff wins. I mean, this is a you know a 12 game you know winner type team that you're expecting to do something. Dan Quinn to me is 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 the guy you know with, especially with Randy Gregory kind of walking out of the building. The hat is on him. They're going to have to be a you know a defensive. Um, you know, kind of a middle of the road or above above middle of the road team, which they were last year, because the physicality of the Cowboys up front is gone. So they're going to become more of a finesse team offensively. They're going to depend a whole lot more on Dak and, and make him play C.D. Lamb, kind of that whole uh, thought process. And you and I both know what made them so dangerous was that when they got lead, they could just hand the ball to Zeke and let that thing you know, you, they could control the, 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 the time of possession. That's not the case anymore. So, uh, Dan Quinn, that defense is going to have a tall order. Uh, but, again, I think they can put up – they have explosive players. I think they can put up points. And I'm hoping that Kellen goes back to the drawing board on some creativity in the run game. You know, they, they need to be much more creative in the thought process. And I know Williams didn't play well. Obviously, I didn't think Collins going to let him go. But, um, you know, with the Smith pickup and just – from a mentality of going, they have to get back to that. We, we have to control the physical portion of the of the front uh, because we, if they don't have that, it, it's, it's tough sledding when you hit playoff time. Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Jeff, in that whole discussion about quarterbacks and teams and pressure, where does Jameis Winston fit in there? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think he's playing a little bit with house money, in all honesty. I really? Mean, you know, you think what – yeah, I do. I do. Listen, he was playing well before the ACL. Now you have a new – you know, you have a new head coach who's going to come in. And I know Dennis Allen's been there forever as a defensive coordinator. But, you know, he he's kind of he, – he's starting it again. Um, but this is a team that – they expect, right? They have a, you know, they have a, they have a receiver who's coming back, been injured forever, right? And so, you know, you can't guard Mike. The whole deal, right? He's coming back defensively. They added Matthew. They're going to have a, they're going to have a certain attitude, and that's really how they they've won games that they've won. Um, and so they'll hang their hats on that. If he can protect the football, uh, th- this is a good, this is a good team in a, in a, in a, in a conference where a lot of guys went to the AFC. So you feel pretty good if you're just a decent or above average team and, and you get hot at the right time, you could make a run. So I think he's positioned to to do extremely well. I don't think there's a ton of pressure on on him to be, 
you know, to be Drew Brees. I think people will, will understand Sean Payton leaving. It's going to take some time. So I, I think it kind of takes the pressure off of people pointing the finger at him, and they'll go, oh, man, you know, without Sean Payton, without those play calls, it's going to you know, give him a little time. Um, and so I, I think he's actually in a really good position. Jeff, Saturday, appreciate the time, man. I, I, I tell you what, it's going to be a fascinating situation in New Orleans, especially there. But thanks again for popping on. Appreciate you, fellas. Y'all have a great one. Yep, Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst. I, we'll talk more about it in a moment. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm really wondering, am I just lost on this thing? We'll get into it. Good chances are. I mean, yes, generally. The, J- the Jameis Winston glow up is unbelievable. Uh, but generally, uh, the answer to that question is yes, and I'm comfortable with it. But this one, I, I, I just don't know about. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Look, I'm more than comfortable talking about being wrong. I'm more than comfortable with questioning myself. I got to wonder what the heck I'm seeing here that everybody else isn't or that I'm not seeing that everybody else is when it comes to the New Orleans Saints because you've got so many other players. I understand that they've done a good job of bringing in, but the quarterback situation, I'm sorry. I Jameis Winston has never done enough 
for me to trust him, especially when he's on a good team. And, and, and Jeff is talking about if he could just do this, if he could just do that. I don't feel like he's ever been able to do that or this consistently enough. No, he hasn't. And Jameis Winston is one of those maddening players. And, Carlin, this is one of those things that Bill Parcells used so to say So why does everybody time. love him all of a sudden? No, J- Jameis Winston is just good enough to get your coach fired. Exactly. That, that's, that's, that's how good he is. Exactly. The talent is undeniable. When you see the ball come out of his hand, it looks different than the majority of the other starting quarterbacks around the National Football League. You don't throw for 5,000 yards in one season without having some type of ability. And every coach believes that they can get the best out of Jameis Winston, including Sean Payton, who over a seven-game sample size seemed to get the job done. But that's but he's what gone. Every, but that's what everybody is leaning on. Everybody's leaning on Jameis Winston being 5-2 and two in the seven games he started with New Orleans last year. But Sean Payton is gone now. You don't have that guy there to keep the guardrails on him. I, I mean, is it going to be Pete Carmichael, their offensive coordinator? We'll we'll see what ends up happening. But just because you're going to run it back with the same coaching staff, minus Sean Payton, doesn't mean you're going to get the same version of Jameis Winston. And that's the thing that I'm concerned about. The sequencing of play calls matters to a quarterback. Knowing when to take risks, knowing when to rein it in. I think Sean Payton had a good pulse of the game. Like you hear about a lot of Major League Baseball managers yeah. feeling the heartbeat of the game. Sean Payton did that better than pretty much any other NFL coach. And he also understood his quarterback and had a level of awareness in terms of keeping him out of situations that could make game-changing mistakes. And I don't trust Jameis Winston to keep himself out of those situations with this new staff and with a new play caller. I just don't see it. So I, I don't know why we have this vote of confidence for the New Orleans Saints, but I can't get on board with it. I, I can't either. And the, the primary how reason are they is... A, Colin, how are they a top three seed in the in, in the NFC? I, I don't Bre- know. Break that down. I mean, are they are they better than the Green Bay Packers? Are they better than the Bucks? Are they better than the Rams? No. Are they better than the 49ers? No. No. Are they better than the Cowboys? I'd rather have Garoppolo than, rather, than have uh, Jameis Winston at this point. That says a lot to me. Canted Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. Tweet us. Hit us up at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty 99 on Twitter. And, of course, on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. It has been hot today on the CC call-in line. A lot of discussion around Joel Embiid getting hosed for the MVP award since Woj broke the story this morning that Jokic was going to win it for the second consecutive year. We spend a few more minutes here on football because at this point it's starting to feel like we're contractually obligated to talk about (laughs) Baker Mayfield, and here we are. How should the Browns proceed with Baker Mayfield? And they have no clue how to proceed. When you call something a fluid situation as... They have called it easily eight times this offseason. What it means is you have no idea. You have no idea how to really resolve the whole situation. To me, this just should be as easy as pie. Mm. You're going to have to suck it up. And the sooner that you decide that you're going to suck it up and pay a good chunk of the salary, the sooner you're going to be able to get rid of them and not have to talk about it anymore. And it's just, there is no circumstance under which it's healthy 
to have Baker Mayfield as a backup quarterback. And please stop with the, well, you don't know how many games Deshaun Watson's going to get. No. Well, yeah, Baker Mayfield is not going back into that locker room. No. We, we got to understand that. Like, the, the, the people to put out that notion or that suggestion, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, he already said his goodbyes through the article that he penned in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. The organization has already told him they don't want him. They traded for Deshaun Watson, guaranteed a $230 million contract for a guy that has 22 pending civil lawsuits against him, signed two other quarterbacks in free agency. They don't want him. He don't want them. But what what is it about them that won't let them understand you have painted yourself into this corner when it comes to this guy? Because they're hoping that somebody's going to bail them out, whether it's Baker Mayfield agreeing to cut his salary that's guaranteed this year, or if there's a team that gets desperate enough at the eve of training camp or at the uh, beginning of the regular season, and they decide they're going to fork over a significant draft pick in order to get Baker as their starter. I think that's what they're waiting for. Cleveland knew that this was going to be a messy situation, but they're going to keep Baker at arm's length. It's not like Baker's coming in that building for OTAs or off-season workouts. They're not going to make him come to the mini camp, and he's not going to have to come to training camp. They're not going to have him anywhere near the building. What they're hoping is that somebody gets impatient and decides that they want to bring in Baker Mayfield for some insurance or bring in Baker Mayfield to have a crack at a starting job. Well, one thing that's become abundantly clear, whether they want to admit it or not, the story that we saw at a Sports Illustrated last week, there are going to be more instances of Baker Mayfield either publicly or through sources taking shots at the organization to get his way out. I don't know that. I don't know that, Carlin. And we here's we just saw it again last week. But, but here's what I'll say. If he continues to do that, that doesn't that give credence to all of the critics of Baker Mayfield and saying what kind of baggage, asking what kind of baggage this guy is bringing into your organization, what kind of temperament, what kind of attitude, what kind of teammate, what kind of leader. All of those things are questions right now. And if Baker Mayfield continues in a public fashion to be critical of the Cleveland Browns or to throw tantrums in order to get his way, it's only going to make him look worse. He's fighting for his career mortality as a starting quarterback. Even though, if you just look at the body of work, there's absolutely a case to be made that he's a top 20 quarterback in our league right now. Of course now. there is, and, and that's, my, that's my thing, is if I'm Baker, I'm not taking a dime less. I'm not taking a lesser contract. No, no chance. And, and I agree with you, but I think Cleveland's still going to wait to see if there's another team that gets desperate enough. I think that's what they're doing. Because they're, they're, here's the thing, it's, no, it's a no-lose proposition for Cleveland right now. Because they, they're they're on the hook for the nineteen million dollars, right? That that's what it is. So even if they cut Beatty and they got to pay him the nineteen million dollars. So whether we do it now, whether we do it later, what's the difference to them? It doesn't matter. They've got twenty four million dollars in cap space right now, so they can take care of their business for the rest of the off season. So well, this is just a matter of seeing what we can get in return for a guy that we invested the number one overall pick in once upon a time. Well, what the difference is is that. You can have more of this. I, I won't call it a distraction because he's not around. He's not there. But when you still have to answer the questions, and if he does poke his head out like it's Groundhog Day, oh, let me talk to another reporter and feed some more stories, trying to force his way out, it is still another thing that the organization has to deal with. And I, I still think, even if you're a team, let's say, that loses your starting quarterback that suffers a horrible injury in OTAs or mm. something like that. Yeah. Nobody's that desperate. Nobody's mm. taking on the $19 million 
for Baker and giving you a, a, a decent draft pick for it. It's not happening. Sam Donald gets hurt in training camp. They're not taking on $19 million. They're going to ride out Matt Corral. Let it, let us, we'll play him. They'll be in full so, on So Matt Rule is going to get fired then? Yes. Okay. Yes. They're, trust me. They're not going to take on $19 million with Baker to save Matt Rule. Jer- Jared, Jared Goff gets, fired, gets, gets hurt. The Lions are going to go give up $19 million. Where are the Lions going this year? Lions aren't going anywhere this year. I mean, they're a couple of years away, and it okay. may not even be with Jared Goff. Okay. This is my point, is any place that he could potentially end up going is more beneficial to him than to whoever that team is. Because no doubt. any team that he's going to go to is not a team that has a chance to win this year. Mm-hmm. And it's more important for Baker to get somewhere else to show that he can still play. I'm not taking a penny less if I'm him. You committed that $19 million to me. That's not my fault. That's on you. I'm If, if my career does fall apart, I ain't walking out the door without every freaking penny that I can. But it wasn't a bad decision in real time for the Cleveland Browns to give him that fifth-year option. It wasn't because he was just coming off of the playoff win, Carlin. And you were talking about a guy that seemed like he was ascending. The back half of that 2020 season and on into the playoffs, where they beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah. You had to give them the fifth-year option. You just had to. Yeah, listen. You wanted wanted to see more. But the Browns have to own up to that here at some point. Dude, you're you're not going to get that. But that point is not right now. You don't have to do it right now. It doesn't hurt you to keep him right now. If there's another story that pops up, about Baker complaining about the situation or his friends uh, aching and moaning It'll about it. It'll hurt Baker Mayfield more than it will hurt the Cleveland Browns. I don't know that it will because somebody's still going to give Baker Mayfield a shot. 